Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, we have a Bible in the News report ready for you, and Danny Faulkner is back to continue his look at God's created cosmos. Please make plans today to attend one of our upcoming prophecy conferences. August 11th and 12th, Bill Federer leads a lineup of speakers ready to bring clarity to the chaos in Colorado Springs. On Saturday, September 30th, we'll have a special one-day conference in Des Moines, Iowa, featuring Michael Hoggard, Greg Patton, Larry Stamm, Josh Davis, and Micah Van Hus. Our largest conference of the year will be a massive three-day conference in Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. Over a dozen speakers, including our special keynote speaker, Jonathan Kahn. Registration for these conferences is now open. Call 1-800-652-1144. Don't miss your opportunity to hear Jonathan Kahn live in person. Visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. Complete lineup of speakers, topics, and schedules are found at swrc.com. Click on events or call 1-800-652-1144. Here's Dr. Larry Spargimino and Danny Faulkner with part two of their look up at the heavens. We are back with Dr. Danny Faulkner talking about the book, The Heavens, A Different View. Dr. Faulkner is the general editor. The book will take you on a journey through the heavens with a dazzling array of photographs and short essays on the uniqueness of our galaxy and beyond. The book itself, I've read through it, looked at it, just love the photographs. I think it's so practical. Children, high schoolers, college students, adults, older people will enjoy it. It just shows the marvel of God's amazing creation. And I think the more we look at the creation, the more, I think, we, we see the, the hand of our loving Lord and Savior. Not only is he a big God, but he also dwells within the hearts of those who are humble and who love him and love the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Dr. Danny, uh, thank you so much for being on the show with us once again. I'm delighted to be back again. Well, a light year is the distance light travels in one year, and I think it's almost six trillion miles. Now, I don't really understand six trillion miles, but that's, that's big, you know. But the galaxies that you present in the book, they are millions of light years away. So, uh, that's pretty far. And that creates an interesting question. How could the light from these distant objects have reached the Earth if the creation is only thousands of years old? Well, that's a very good question, Larry. One that I started contemplating more than 50 years ago when I was still in <laughs> high school and an aspiring astronomer for God's glory. And uh, we have a name for that. We call it the uh, light travel time problem. And there have been many solutions put forth. Uh, Henry Morris, one of the, you know, the founders of the modern creation movement, he, was, he liked what he called the mature creation, that uh, God just simply created the uh, universe fully functioning with the light already in transit. Many of us have, have uneasy with that one because uh, I, can, I can see things, processes going on in very distant parts, you know, millions of light years away, and we can observe these things, and we, from, the, from this we can infer some of the processes going on, and it suggests that there was kind of uh, deception going on in the light there if it never really left those, those objects. So many of us have been casting about for other alternate explanations. And the one I've worked on and developed, I call the Dasha solution, or the matured uh, creation. Um, I note that some people 
some creationists, myself included, have made some some have some odd ways of looking at creation that aren't quite right. One thing is many of us tend to think that God created everything instantaneously and out of nothing uh, during the creation week. Certainly the, the, the matter and energy of the universe is created out of nothing and maybe instantaneously, but if you look at uh, some of the description given in the creation account of Genesis 1, you'll see some processes going on. For instance, on uh, day three, God made the plans. But the wording there in, in, in the two verses discussed that suggests that uh, it was kind of a growth process coming up out of the ground. One of those two words is, is the Hebrew word dasha, which is what inspired me to think this way. And uh, I began thinking and understanding that the plants just suddenly didn't, didn't appear instantly out of nothing, but instead right. God caused them to grow up out of the ground. And I, I always envisioned as being a time-lapse movie sort of thing. If you would have been there, you would have seen a full tree growing up in a matter of minutes or a couple hours at the most, certainly uh, not over many years or decades. You would have an oak tree that you would look at the next day, you would think might have been 50 years old, but it was just a day old because God caused it to grow rapidly out of the ground. And God formed, formed man from the dust of the ground. He formed the land animals and the birds from the dust of the ground we find in, in Genesis chapter 2. So I think there's a lot of process going on. And the point of all of this was to to mature the earth, uh, to fill the earth, uh, to form the earth. Uh, and, and verse 2 describes the initial creation in the, in the King James without form and void. A better, one would be un, a better way of saying it would be unformed and unfilled. And so God spent the rest of creation week forming and then filling the earth. And part of that was the growing of the plants. Right. It was a process, I said, but very rapid. Well, why not the stars that way as well? We're not given much information, but uh, the stars have purposes to fulfill, just like everything else in the creation week. Just as the plants needed to mature quickly so that man and beasts could could en- could enjoy the food right. that they could get from them, uh, we cannot. If we can't see the stars, then they can't fulfill their functions of being for timekeeping and for uh, ruling over the days and the nights and and for. For, for for seasons, that is, for appointed times and, and months, uh, days and years. So in order for them to, to fulfill their functions, God had to rapidly bring the light to the earth. And so I, I propose that God, day four, God made the stars and all the heavenly bodies, but he rapidly brought that light to the earth mm-hmm. in a miraculous sort of way. I do believe that the, uh, that the light from those distant galaxies left them uh, at some point. I, I do believe the distances are reasonably correct, but I don't think the light has been traveling nearly as long as the mm-hmm. light travel time wow. would seem to suggest. I think maybe it's closer to 6,000 years that, we're, that the wow. light's actually been traveling to us. So that is the matured creation view, and that's, that's your view. Do you have an article on that in the AIG? Yes, I, yeah. uh, yes I do. I, I've written about it in one of my books. I believe it's The Creative Cosmos, but um, I also have it written up on our up on our uh, website, theanswersingenesis.org is the website. I just look for Google, I mean, uh, do a search there for, like, light travel time problem. Wow. And I'm sure that article will come up. It's very searchable, and, and I, I use it quite a bit to search for my own articles and to see <laughs> what, uh, what has been written on subjects. Just the other day, I noticed we didn't have an ar- article on a, on a topic of interest to me, and so oh. I'm going to set about writing that article when I get the chance. You know, I, I think when when I listen to you and Dr. Jensen and, and, and others, you know, there are a lot of young people around who are really intelligent. They love science. 
They want to learn more about science, and, and they've been sold a bill of goods that, that the Bible is unscientific and that if you become a Christian, if you believe the Bible, you'll have to throw your brains to the wind. But I think you're such an inspiration to so many young men and women out there who really want to know they, they're looking for, for salvation, they're looking for the Savior, they hear about Jesus, they hear about the Bible, but, but you know, wow, they don't want to believe in the Bible and look stupid. Actually, you can believe in the Bible and be very intelligent. So I don't know if you've ever thought about that, but I think there's, a, I, I know a lot of young people, especially in our Chinese group, and you know something about our group, you, you were a speaker about two years ago. There are so many of them who are so smart, and they, they, you know, I think it's because the Chinese language, Mandarin, is so complex. And these kids, the kids in our, our, our church, um, they recently recited the Beatitudes in Mandarin, and then they recited the Beatitudes in English, and these are like six- and seven-year-old kids. So I, I think there are zillions of kids out there who really want to find God, to know that God loves them, and yet to, to cling to the truths of science, and, and there's, no, there's no conflict. So I just wanted to say that. I think you and all of the, uh, the people at Answers in Genesis and ICR and so forth, you're, you're a real inspiration. Praise the Lord for you. Laura, thank you. We're often accused of, of being anti-science, but if you spend any time with us, uh, with the people here, you'll soon very quickly learn we love science. We just uh, <laughs> simply look at the world a little differently because our assumptions are a little different. And my calling has been to provide answers for the believers, to, to give them reasonable, reasonable, reasonable faith, as right. Peter once wrote about. And um, so I think the name of the organization sums it up, Answers in Genesis. We're we're here to provide those answers for people. Amen. Amen. Uh, By the way, what's the address of uh, the Ark Encounter? Uh, Just tell our listeners a little bit about that, because uh, it's it's, it's a great thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's in uh, in Williamstown, Kentucky, which is about uh, 40 miles uh, drive from the Creation Museum. The Creation Museum is along Interstate 275 in northern Kentucky, it's, it's 275 is the loop that goes around Cincinnati, so it dips into Indiana and Kentucky as well. But then uh, the Ark Encounter is about uh, 40 miles away. It takes me about 40 minutes to get down there on Interstate 75. And it uh, sits on 640 acres, 660 acres, I think. It's uh, more than a square mile. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have uh, <laughs> really quite a bit crammed in there, yeah. packed in there, and we're adding stuff all the time. You know, Larry, I tell people, if you haven't been to the museum or the Ark in a couple, two or three years, then you need to come back because we've cha- made changes. We've added things. Yes. Uh, yeah, so it, it's can, if you, if people will be amazed when they come back if they've not been here in a while because it's, it's ever-changing because we are we're adding on so much. Yeah, I was there several years ago, and I think somebody went recently, and they said, I think you have a zip line over the whole thing. Is that, is that true? What have you? Oh, yeah, we, we've, we've had a zip line at the museum for about seven or eight years, but we have a zip line at the Ark for five years or six years, probably. Wow. And I've not ridden a zip line at the Ark yet. I've done the one here several times. I, it's on my to-do list, just haven't gotten around to it. But that's, that's a whole new dimension. You can come here and spend the day just doing that if you want, yeah. or you can do other things, or you have a group, family, you can split up and do what you want to do. Amen. Well, friends, our guest is Dr. Danny Faulkner. He is the general editor of The Heavens, A Different View. This is a great book that will inform and inspire There are beautiful photographs of the heavens as well as informative text that goes along with the photographs. Our toll-free number for your own copy of the heavens, 1-800-652-1111. 
1144. Daddy, it seems uh, that generally speaking, Christians do not see much chance that there is intelligent life on other planets or stars, but non-Christians seem desperate to find life in outer space. You know, you often hear stories that say a rock found on Mars that has worm squiggles on it or some other, quote, proof (laughs) that there's life on other planets. So why does the world desperately need to find that there's life in some other galaxy? I mean, why the hunger? And we don't seem to be faced by it very much. If uh, life developed naturally on Earth, then it's better if it developed naturally somewhere else because otherwise the Earth is unique by definition and it's exceedingly special. And that kind of drags you back to creation now, doesn't it? If we're set aside in some way, there's a principle one astronomer astrophysicist coined in the middle of the 20th century, excuse me, called the Copernican principle that means there's nothing really special about us and where we are in the universe. And that, if we are, if life is unique to the Earth, then that would violate that principle. So they have to believe that life developed wherever the conditions were right and uh, in order to support the, the belief that evolution is what happened on the Earth. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting is in the last 30 years, we've been discovering exoplanets. These are planets orbiting other stars. The technology didn't exist to allow us to do that until the 90s. And if you would have Back in the 90, early 90s, before these things were discovered, if you would have probed people, asked scientists, well, when we found 5,000 of these exoplanets, how many would be Earth-like? I think you would have gotten very optimistic estimates. Oh, probably hundreds would be Earth-like. <laughs> well, last year, we passed the 5,000 mark. <laughs> and how many of them are Earth-like? Well, none of them are. <laughs> so, I think, Larry, I think the evidence, the scientific evidence, is telling us that life is unique to the earth. I happen to believe that scripture implies that. It doesn't explicitly tell right. us there are aliens elsewhere, but I can give my real quick reason why, why I think it's unique to the earth. And uh, when I say life, uh, I'm talking about intelligent life like us, people are beings like us. Uh, and if that's the case, then if they're truly like us, they have to be created in God's image like us, and they have eternal destinies like us. Otherwise, they're nothing like us. And if they're if they're fallen, if they're if they're beings like us, are, are they in need of salvation? Well, if they are, then why would that be? Well, it could be for Adam's sin, but the problem with that is, well, Adam is an alien to them because they're we're the alien planets to them, and uh, so your your gospel message on that on one of those planets would start something like this: a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. And I think most people would recognize that's science fiction. That's not, that's not gospel truth. Well, then they might say, well, maybe, maybe uh, each one of those races fell well, on their own. There's an Adam and Eve, as it were, on each one of those, those worlds. Well, the problem with that is they, it would require Jesus to, to go and be a sacrifice for them on those worlds, which means that when Jesus left this earth, he ascended to heaven to go, go to another world to do it again and again and again and again. And well, I, I quite, we, we know from the New Testament that numerous passages tell us that Jesus went to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father right. to make intercession for us. So quite literally, Jesus Christ died once for all. Well, the only other possibility is that they never fell into sin, but the problem is with that is that Romans 8 talks about the, uh, the, the whole creation being under the bondage of sin. Yes. And, and consequently, uh, 
they're, they're living, they're perfect beings living in a sin-tainted world. And you know, Larry, the, the, this heaven and earth is going to pass away at one point. The uh, Isaiah 65 and 66 say that, Second Peter 3 does, and Revelation 21 does. And I think that's because the, even, even the creation, because of its taint of man's sin, has to be redeemed. That raises in all sorts of theological questions, and I, I reject the possibility that God created beings like us that never fell into sin. So that then exhausts all the possibilities. Right. Uh, when I say that there's no life elsewhere, I, I'm not talking about angels or demons. They, they're they're right. a totally different class of creatures. So biblically, I, I think that the uh, that we're alone in the universe, and I think uh, scientifically we are too. And it's great that the science agrees with the Bible, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, Danny, you've spent hours looking into the heavens. Have you seen any UFOs or anything that would suggest uh, that something strange is going on? The reason why I asked the question, you know, in January of this year, NPR reported that the Pentagon had received hundreds of new reports of UFOs in 2022. And so um, the director of national intelligence said the military, now the military is involved, and they're very, uh, they're very focused on, I think, 171 reports where the objects seem to demonstrate a performance and flight abilities. In other words, they're intelligent. Now, what, what is all that about? Can, can we, do we believe NPR? What, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I want to clarify a term. Uh, UFO stands for Unidentified Flying Object. Right. And I like to tell people, if you've ever looked up in the sky and seen something, you didn't know what it was, then it's a, you've seen a UFO. <laughs> and so I, I, have, I have seen UFOs on a number of occasions. However... I've been able to convert all of my UFOs to IFOs, that is, identified flying objects. <laughs> I, have, I have yet to, I've had a few things that kept me going for a while, but my IFO file is full and my UFO file is completely empty. So uh, I've never seen anything that, that I would attribute to some alien activity. Uh, what these other people are seeing, I don't know because I wasn't there. <laughs> so, many, many of these sightings are misidentifications of things. Mm -hmm. Some of them are probably phenomenon that we don't quite understand yet. It wasn't too right. many years ago that scientists dismissed ball lightning. Now most scientists recognize that it's a reality, but we don't know what it is yet. Right. So there, I think there's some more surprises out there for us. I think the alien hypothesis is a rather extreme one, and so we really need good evidence to back that up, and I just don't think it's there. Well, let's just change gears a little bit. We only have a few minutes, but you talk about astrophotography, which is a fascinating field. Modern electronic cameras are much more sensitive than the old emulsions, and um, don't astrophotographs look much better than what the eye sees through a, a, a telescope? Is, is that what we're talking about? Oh. Oh, yeah. Uh, cameras can collect light for hours if you want them to, if you leave the shutter open long enough. Our eyes can only collect light for about a tenth of a second. Mm. And also you can crank up the sensitivity on these things so they can, they can pick up things that you cannot see. I, I frequently do, uh, I sometimes attach one of my digital SLR cameras to a telescope and use it as a camera lens. But I also set up my tripod in dark locations and to take hundreds of photos over the course of a night and put them into a time lapse. I like to see the Milky Way sliding along the, the, the foreground and, and maybe have the sky brighten up as the moon or the sun rises afterwards. And uh, those, those things are, uh, I can do that with hundreds of photographs that, that I, it would be much more expensive and difficult to do if I was working right. with emulsions. 
And so you can get some more beautiful things, and then you can do some post-production things with Photoshop and other utilities. And, uh, you know, amateur astronomers today are producing uh, photographs of the sky that rivaled or even exceeded those of a professional astronomers just a generation ago. Wow. Yeah. So it's amazing. And I, I have two uh, uh, amateur astronomers who took many of the photographs in the book. I'd like to say I took most of them, but I didn't. I only <laughs> took a few of them. They did most of the really remarkable photos. I, I take my photos. I've been doing this for seven or eight years now. And I think I'm making a lot of progress until I look at those photos that they take. And then I think, why do I even bother? These guys are real masters. So we, we've got, uh, got their information in there about who they are and what they do. And it was a pleasure to have two uh, God-fearing and, and uh, supporters of our, our ministry here who also happen to be amateur astronomers who are very good at photography. So I'm really doubly blessed on that. The Heavens by Danny Faulkner will fascinate those who love the science of the stars and provide a great defense for the wonder of our Creator. Families will enjoy the astrophotography and learn fascinating facts about star trails, galaxies, nebula, and many other objects in our solar system. The Heavens, a different view, gives us a glimpse of God's majesty revealed in His creation. Order The Heavens by Danny Faulkner when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Marvin McIlvaney is ready to deliver today's End Times-focused Bible in the News report. We read in Jeremiah 16, 14, and 15, Therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be said, The Lord liveth, that brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth that brought up the children of Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands whither he had driven them. And I will bring them again into their land that I gave unto their fathers. And so it is. We don't say the Lord that brought them out of Egypt anymore, but we say the Lord that made Israel a nation again. Jeremiah foretold the day when the Lord would restore Israel as a nation. Other prophets like Ezekiel and Zechariah said the same thing. Someday, after being destroyed, the nation of Israel would rise again. That's exactly what happened on May 14, 1948. Many Bible scholars also believe that the countdown to the end started on that day as well. Jesus didn't set a date because he said he didn't know when. Only the Father does. But Jesus did talk about seasons. He was a season setter, not a date setter. Jesus said when you see all these things, know that the time is near. What kind of things? Paul tells Timothy about the end times in 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Isn't it coincidental that within a few years of the atomic bomb being developed, that Israel becomes a nation again? Talk about perilous times. Chinese officials have privately taken credit for preventing nuclear warfare, claiming that President Xi Jinping warned Russian President Vladimir Putin against using nuclear weapons earlier this year, according to a Financial Times report. Xi made the comments to Putin during the Chinese leader's visit to Moscow in March. Can you see how close we are to nuclear war? perilous times. 
We read in verse 2, For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Did you know that 92 million selfies are taken every day, accounting for 4% of all the photos taken daily? Over half of millennials have published a selfie at least once. Over 95% of young adults have taken a selfie. Men shall be covetous. The word means greedy, insatiable, possessive, and selfish. I don't know about you, but I see a lot of that these days. Men shall be boasters. This word means to talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's achievements or abilities. This reminds me of present-day NFL football players. When I was growing up, if a football player made a great tackle or caught an uncatchable pass, they simply got up and walked away. Nowadays, when that happens, the player will jump up and stomp around and call attention to himself. Look at me. Look what I did. Paul continues when he says men will be proud. This word means feeling deep pleasure or satisfaction as a result of one's own achievements or qualities. This is amazing to me because so-called pride parades are front-page news these days. These people are proud of their sin. They celebrate it. Paul nails it in Romans 1.32 when he says that people, even though they know the actions they engage in are sinful, they applaud the behavior in others. Paul next mentions blasphemers. This word means to speak with a lack of respect about God or sacred things. This is no more apparent than in the gay pride agenda, using the rainbow as their symbol. The rainbow is a sign of God's covenant with Noah and all his descendants that never again would the human family be threatened with total annihilation by flood. The list goes on and on. Try reading 2 Timothy chapter 3 for yourself and compare what Paul says to everyday life these days. Kids will be disobedient to their parents. Men will be unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, incontinent. That's another interesting word that means unrestrained, lacking self-control, ungoverned. You certainly see that these days. I think that about sums it up. People are just out of control. Whether they are shooting people or doing dope or prancing around half-naked, whatever, they are just out of control. When Daniel was in the royal court, his three friends refused to bow to the idol erected by King Nebuchadnezzar, and they were sentenced to death in the furnace. Their response was confident faith. They did not defend themselves, but instead they told the king their God would save them. They said even if he didn't, they still would not worship or serve Nebuchadnezzar's gods. That's how we should be these days. No matter what happens, no matter how weird or scary it gets, we should have that confident faith. God restored Israel as a nation. Let's see the world try to explain that away. The brand new book by Danny Faulkner entitled The Heavens, A Different View gives us a glimpse of God's majesty revealed in His creation. The photo journey through the created cosmos is packed with breathtaking astrophotography, scripture, and short essays on the uniqueness of our galaxy and beyond. The heavens will fascinate those who love the science of the stars and provide a great defense for the wonder of our Creator. Order The Heavens by Danny Faulkner today. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order on our website, swrc.com. Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday, ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos. 
Go into the weekend, my friends, with the encouragement that God is still on the throne and prayer changes things. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and has been supported for over 90 years by faithful listeners like you. Please visit swrc.com.